On this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, me and my co-host Richard Stamen, we are going to... Actually, you know what? I'm going to put this all on Richard. I'm going to ask him questions, and we are going to talk about his thoughts so far on the Las Vegas Summer League. Stay tuned. Big shout out to each and every person that's made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board, and my co-host for the day, Mr. Mavs Draft. It is late. Again, you know, when you do this NBA draft stuff, it's your, your night doesn't end when everything <laughs> else ends. You still have to, to work. It is late. It is like 12 o'clock Pacific time. Which means it's two o'clock in the morning in our on our body clock because we both live in Dallas. So if the energy is a little <laughs> bit low, you you understand why. All right, let's talk about summer league. So this is your first time in Vegas. Yep. Yeah, first time ever somehow. So so what, what's your first what's your first thoughts of Vegas? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I thought it was just a city to party and like drink. Not at all the case. So I, I'm. Wait, I've been what blown else away. is there to do? I mean, I don't drink or party. But what else? Is there? I mean, there's there's gambling. Oh, uh, yeah. There's a lot to see I on mean, the strip. That's, that's why you know the city is lit up and the strip oh, yeah. looks like it does because there's a lot of gambling. There's a lot of losing. Yeah. So if there were more yeah. winners than losers, Las Vegas wouldn't be lit up <laughs> like this. And did did you see that sphere? Have you seen that? Oh yeah, dude. It's it's incredible. It's you incredible. see it from the airport when you walk in. It's nuts. Yeah. I, well, I got in early, so I didn't see it. But you can see it once you leave the Thomas and Matt. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you like Vegas? Yeah, I like it. The food is uh, the food's incredible. That, yeah. That's really what's won me over so far is the food. I've had three meals and not a single one of them even remotely healthy, and I love it. See, I'm not a foodie <laughs> at all. But the locked on staff before you got here, we went to a place called the Wicked Spoon for for breakfast, and I'm not a foodie at all. I could care less about food, but that place was really good. I'm surprised I, I didn't find time to go back. <laughs> All right, Summer League. Let, let's just go down the line. The Wimbayama brandon Miller game, such a major letdown and disappointment. And I talked about it on yesterday's podcast. I think the Scoot-Wimby game in October ruined our perception. We were expecting – I don't know if anybody was expecting that type of game, but we were – Expectations were high. The Brandon Miller Wimby game was just, I mean, it was a snooze fest. But it, the arena was packed. What were your thoughts on, on, on that game? Well, a lot of overreactions were had. Yeah, definitely. To that. That was, that was a fun thing where people were like, see, I told you. And it's like, okay, well, it's a summer league game. His first taste since, I mean, he probably hadn't played much in the last two months. Weeks. Yeah. I mean, yeah, really two ever weeks, since yeah. the season ended three, four weeks ago. I just, I don't know. He's had a drama-filled, really, time since coming here, and yeah. both positive and negative. Um, <laughs> but I think there was just a lot of pressure, and he looked like he had jitters. And the problem, and the thing for me is, yeah, he looked like he had jitters, but he still controlled the game defensively. Like I don't care if the shots weren't falling, he was able to get to his spots. He didn't look 
it, it wasn't hard for him to do a lot of stuff. Yeah, sometimes in the post a little bit, but we saw the stuff that was freakish about him translate, which is against a defender, he just reaches over them and tries to dunk it. Even if he didn't make it, he tried that stuff in both games, really. And, you know, eventually he's, he got his rhythm in the second game. He had, like, what, 27, 10, and 3 with, like, 12. 12. 12. Yeah. Oh, my God. With, like, three or four assists, too, and he dominated. Yeah, I think the thing that stood out to me was how quick his second jump is at that size. Yep. So I think he's going to – I think he's going to be able to score fine in the NBA, maybe not in isolation. I think San Antonio is going to have to find ways to get him scoring on the move, maybe exploit some, like, switches with guards. But, I mean, at, at his size as a face-up shooter, I think it's going to be – Easy for him to just shoot over the top of guys, and I think he's I think he's going to be fine defensively. He's going to be really good. All right, now I know it's summer league and it's only <laughs> been a couple games. What is the panic level on Brandon Miller right now? I mean, it's summer league. I'll keep it low. I I think some of the stuff though, the alarms and the red flags that a lot of people saw as to why he shouldn't be the number two pick, they shine very bright in summer league. I mean he. I think he still struggles getting to and finishing at the rim. I think that just the entire rim pressure situation in every way, it's not as ideal as you would want it for your number two pick, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, he's still going to be a good defender. He's still going to shoot. And at a minimum, if he ends up just being a 3 and D wing, eh, the Hornets probably should have taken Scoot. But it's an outcome where you're like, okay, we now have a foundational role player kind of thing. And then in next year, if you really believe 2024 is a tough one, but if they're bad again, they can draft at the top and then get the guy who could have been like a scoot or something in that impact. So like, there's really no panic for me because one way or another is a good situation. How much do you think the just the bad team around him is playing a role? Well, well, okay, there, there's a lot to that. Because they should be a lot better. The talent on paper, they, the Hornets should have been one of the best teams so far in summer league. And, like, I don't think they have been. James Booknight hasn't improved since he got in the league. Uh, Kai Jones, even though he did posterize uh, Wembenyama, yeah. he's still got work to do. There, there's just not a lot that complements Miller on that roster entirely. Like, they're, they're a lot of, it's almost more competition than, than like, a complimentary guy. I feel like it's the second year in a row that they didn't have a point guard on the roster. Yeah. Now, last year, Kai Jones was jacking up threes. I do remember that, but I haven't really seen him do it this year. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I think he'll look better with LaMelo. I think that this team lacks shooters and, yep. and floor spacing, so I do think that will help. Um, I think that he's he, – He's done a good job on the glass. He's a good rebounder. The shot, like as of today, he's like 17% from three, 27% from the floor. That is bad. It's almost like you can say that he is playing like the historically bad NCAA tournament that he had. I'm not too concerned, but it's one of those things where, like you said, if you had doubts about Brandon Miller, all of your – Theories, are, it's like you're proven right. But it's like Victor the first game. Yeah. You said he was too light, yada, yada, yada. Now you feel like, oh, it was right. So, Scoot Henderson. I thought that Scoot had a really good start to the game, but he finished 5 of 13. Um, I, I do think that he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot since Dame is going to be likely gone. So, he is going to have 
maybe the best opportunity to win, like rookie of the year, because he's just going to have a lot of possessions. But yeah. what, were your, what were your thoughts about his game? Yeah, I really liked him. Uh, I actually think that was the best top 10 matchup that was planned uh, of that Houston versus Scoop before Amen went down. And Amen was really good. And we'll talk about him, I'm sure, in a minute. But yeah. I think with Scoot, his pick and roll playmaking, like it, it still looked as beautiful as it did in the G League. Like, I, I just, again, I haven't seen a point guard, I think, at his age, come into the league as polished as a pick and roll ball handler in a very long time. And in the summer league, he, he made his bigs look outstanding in pick and rolls when it really was just him doing all the work. And I think that stuff translates to the regular season. Yeah, I thought Shaden Sharp looked really good. Oh yeah, looked really good that game. Yeah. But then the second game. I don't remember him scoring. I know deep in the fourth quarter, he didn't have a single basket. Hey, Michael DeVoe took over that game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he was really good. He was really good. I mean, he was quietly the the best. I mean, you know, Wembyama's always kind of – everything he does is going to look impressive. But, I mean, there was – in the first half, DeVoe was definitely the, the best player yeah. on the floor. Yep. All right, let's talk about the Thompson twins. I think they've caught – some people by surprise how well they've adjusted because you can make yep. a case and say that they're the most inexperienced as far as big game experience. What was your thoughts about about them? Yeah, uh, this isn't. I don't think this is an overreaction. What I'm about to say, but uh, I I do owe an apology. I think to the OTE listeners on this. Uh, <laughs> anybody who's been really supportive, and I've, I've I was doubtful more for a SAR than a man. I think a man I've generally been very supportive on and saying like, look, everything about him translates. A SAR, I had way more concerns with both of them. It just really is obvious that. They are. It's it's them. It's not about like look. Kobe came from high school. T Mac came from high school. Kevin Garnett, Tyson Chandler. I mean, not the same mm -hmm. caliber. Like, very good players have succeeded coming from weak competition, and people really overthought that. For me, Asar still has some of the same issues. He's not shooting, uh, which is a big thing, and it's just summer league because. And I don't take back anything I've said in the draft, but at the same time, I do think I, I was too dismissive of things with OTE because we see just how quickly they can adapt because that's their trait. And that's something where it doesn't matter what they did before. They're going to get better because they're competitive, they're smart, and they work hard. And those three things really do matter a lot in this league. And even though it's just summer league, like just watching Asar Thompson, for example, he had nobody passing the ball in the first game with Detroit, and he was the only one doing it. He leads by example on the court, like, and it's very obvious. Yeah, I mean, the OTE guys have played well, from Don Barlow to Jay Gort. And I, I was just yeah. talking to someone today, and they were talking about how horrible the Knicks summer league team is, but they thought that Jalen Martin has, has some promise. So this was a, a very – well, so far it's been a very good start to the summer league for OTE. And, you know, a lot of the the people that have doubted OTE, I think they're a little quiet. Let me talk to you about Ibotta. Now, if you're picking up hamburgers and hot dogs for a barbecue, why not get cash back for it? And you can do that with Ibotta. It is officially summer. And by the temperatures in Dallas, where I live in Las Vegas, it is definitely summer because it's over 100 degrees. And a new season means new clothes. So if you want to buy some shorts or you just need to just change your wardrobe because maybe you're in better shape than you were last year and now your clothes don't fit, or maybe you're just not in as good a shape as you were in last year and your clothes don't fit, you can get cash back with each purchase with Ibotta 
Or if you want to take that summer vacation and you dread buying all the necessities that you need before going on vacation, you can get money back with Ibotta because Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items and produce to personal care to pantry goods. So you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you are purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and you can get cash back. It is that easy because the average Ibotta user earns $120 a year in cash back which could cover the cost of a shopping trip or you can use that to buy a flight even though these flight prices are extremely high right now. Or maybe it's a game that you want to go to or dinner that you want to, to attend with your family or a date, whatever. You can get cash back and you can use that money that you're saving from Ibotta to you know, buy whatever you want to buy. Other apps, they give you points that don't amount to much, but with Ibotta, you get real cash back. And it goes to your bank account, it goes to PayPal, or you can use it in gift cards. So again, you can earn cash back on online brands and retailers when you start with Ibotta, whether it's Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. So right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta. Use the code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, when you register. That is Ibotta.com. Just go to the Apple Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED. That is Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play or App Store. And again, use the code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D. Number six, Anthony Black. I saw the the first game. He looks really good. I think he had like 17, 5, and 5. And one of the things I've been paying attention to since I've been here is I try to sit up close to the games if I can. Pay attention to how guys move. And when I watched, and it's off subject a little bit, but when I watched Johnny Davis up close, I saw his movement just isn't like, fluid like you can see how he kind of struggles a little bit he's not as it's weird he's not stiff but he just doesn't move at an elite level like that that you want out of a guard but when I saw Anthony Black just up close and, and, and personal it was like he has this unique blend of great pace and you can't necessarily speed him up but he's a good athlete. It doesn't like need. I mean, he's not like Scooter, the Thompson twins. But he's a very good athlete. But his game isn't based off of athleticism. But he moves very well. What are your thoughts on Black? Yeah, the two things for me are are really three. I mean, getting to the rim was easy for him. I think defense has been phenomenal. Off ball, he's already adapted to just the widest of NBA schemes, right? Like, there's just no missed rotations, which is a big thing at Arkansas, too. And I, I think mm-hmm. that's something that's going to translate to the regular season. And, and lastly, though, the, the playmaking. Like, he yeah. was a very good playmaker at Arkansas. The big thing we heard for Arkansas – uh, any of the players' supporters were, well, look at the spacing. If you, you know, a lot of times it was an over excuse at times, but they had no stretch bigs. The paint was always crowded. Yeah. And now we're seeing him, hey, he can actually drive to the 
to the rim off of a, a pick and like with a roll man, yeah. and that just could not happen in Arkansas. And now it's happening, and there are plays where I go, how did he even see him? Like, tonight yeah. he had a play. Uh, there's, there was an assist he had, and it was kind of garbage time, but it doesn't really matter. He, he was backing down, and I swear he didn't look. Uh, his, he was facing one way, never turned his head, no tell, and just found the man behind the, his defender. And, like, that stuff is just ridiculous to me. All right, who's Orlando starting point guard on opening night? They're it's, starting backcourt. It's still it's going to be Markel Fultz and Jalen Suggs. I feel very confident in that. Which is tough because you just drafted a kid number six to put him on the bench. But they did that with Suggs, too, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah. Um, was Suggs hurt, though? Suggs, is, to be fair, yeah, Suggs is hurt. Okay. So, <laughs> I, and I just had this conversation with a, a, a parent of someone on, on the Magic, and they thought they would go with Fultz and Gary Harris. Yeah, yeah. I, I could see that. The better. One way or another, yeah, Gary Harris is probably going to start. So the the conversation was, all right, if you're Orlando and you want to get off of Suggs, you have to play him. Yeah. You have to find ways to get him a lot of minutes earlier. You're going to kill his value. But then it's like, who are you not playing? So Suggs, it's very interesting. All right, number seven, Bilal Koulibaly. He... Had some moments where you now he moves incredibly well. Like just watching how he moves and how fluid and coordinated he is compared to Johnny Davis, it's 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 like night and day. But he has a long ways to go. There were some people that I talked to that felt like he just rode the wave and the hype too high, and they didn't think he was worth where he went. What have your thoughts been so far? Yeah, I. No, I, I think that's an overreaction because watch him in a pick and roll and his reads are just extremely advanced. And the defense will be there in, in the NBA. I think that's kind of just a learning curve thing. And that's such a quick learning curve. The summer league is a learning curve. Yeah. And when you look at regular season by game 10 and 20, there's going to be a difference between game 1 through 10 through 20. There's going to be completely differences, complete differences just in those ranges from each other on the defensive end. And they're all going to be growth, I think. But you look at him as a pick and roll ball handler and there are very few mistakes, I think, with a ball in his hands. Yep. And to me, you got a defender who can run a pick and roll at six, what, eight, seven, nine? Seven, like two <laughs> wingspan. And yeah, and a seven, two wingspan. Like, yeah, I just, I don't know what there's not to like. I wonder, are they going to shut him down soon? The reason I'm asking is because his training camp started in August last yeah. year. I went to watch him play in September. In September, the NBA wasn't playing yet. The G League had just – I mean, the Ignite team was already there, but the G League hadn't started practicing yet. And so he's at, like, month 11 – like, month 11, 11 straight months of playing basketball, even though, you know, he he needs, like, the minutes. You know, you can say he needs a long summer league, but I just think long term it's just best to shut him down because, I mean, he's yeah. been gone for 11 months straight. Yeah, I agree. Get him some rest. Yep, and it's the same with Victor. Like I've had people who are just uninformed. They're like, "Oh man, why did they shut him down after two games? He just had one good game, and they feel like they shut him down." I hate the the new NBA, and I've explained like it's almost like when Luca came out. People were saying, oh, "Man, he's scared of summer league. He's running from guys." I'm like, "No, this dude literally played 12 months straight." And <laughs> so um, the guys in his class, his draft peers, unless their team went deep in the NCAA tournament, they've been done since April. Some guys since March. 
Yeah. And so it's it's just totally, totally different. All right, Jairus Walker, he has been a menace on the defensive yeah. end. I mean, I've seen him. I always call it cookies when you when someone steals the ball from you as a ball handler. But I've seen him block shots, strip guys, I mean, just defend in space. And then I thought, like, okay, I can see how he's going to help right away because he's able to contribute on the defensive end. But I was wondering, how does he score? And then he had a good game, and his second game was scoring. I think he had 16 points. But what has been your thoughts on, on Walker? Yeah, the defense. Like, it's all there. That's translating. That is the big takeaway for me. I don't care about the offense because he's going to play not only an entire – well, yeah, he's going to have Halliburton. So yeah, that there's that. I mean, right now, though, like we were talking about this before we even started recording, the Indiana starting five is not comparable to a single other team because they're running – uh, I'm, I'm going to hope and do this off of, off the top of my head. Isaiah Jackson, Andrew Nemhard, Benedict Matherin, um, Ben Shepard, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank on who. There's a fifth NBA player, but like we said, it's late, and I have completely drawn a blank. Whoever it is, though, not Walker. a single one of them, it should be there for a third game. Like, they're all way too good. Um, this is eating me alive, and now I, I can't I can't not have this. Uh, right, but it was uh, Jairus Walker. Yeah, the guy we're talking about. Yeah. Like, so, but the point is, yeah, he's going to be playing with a lot of those guys, but it's, the entire system changes when you have, instead of Isaiah Jackson, you have Miles Turner. Instead of Andrew Nemhard, who is a very good backup point guard, by the way, you have Tyrese Halberton, who is a great all-star point guard. Like, those differences are just huge. All right. What do you think about bringing in Obi Toppin? Look. I'll, I'll say this. I'm not a huge OB guy. I think he was horribly misused in New York in the way that he wasn't an off-ball threat. He was kind of run in transition, kind of, and spot up, but without any movement. He was just sitting in the corner and spotting up. It wasn't, hey, run to your spot, run around the top of the key, and then, you know, whatever. Like, there was no set plays for him ever as a shooter. Yep. Whereas if you look at Rick Carlisle just historically in Dallas, like we're obviously Dallas guys. We've seen the Mavs more than uh, any other team probably for us. But – you look at how many off-ball forwards he's used. One guy that comes to mind, Charlie Villanueva. 2014-15 had a phenomenal year. Mm. Shot the lights out. He was just 6'9 shooter. And why not the exact same thing with, with also cuts? And I, I think all you have to do is run him off-ball and Rick Carlisle will hide him on defense. But what, do you, but what, do you, what are your thoughts on you draft a four oh. and then you trade for a four? Yes, that part. <laughs> I probably analyzed the wrong element. But, yeah, I, I mean, he's just a – I, I don't think he's a key part of the rotation. I think he's the last player in or the first player out. Yeah, I mean, it's like, dang, you traded for me, and I was looking for him. I'm thinking it from OB's perspective. I don't know what's going to go on there. I mean, maybe they'll play some time together, but it's just it, – I mean, it's one of a few moves that I, I thought have been pretty head-scratching considering, like, the draft, and then you bring in somebody that plays similar. Hey, Mark Stein and his Substack today put in put out a thing that Indiana wants Siakam. It solves a lot. They consolidate their front court. I think it would help a lot because the back, at least the backup minutes, right? If you put Obi in or you put Isaiah Jackson in, uh, you know, you at least clear up something in there. If you put in Miles Turner, you elevate somebody to the starting five, right? And then Obi's path to the to at least a normal, consistent backup role that clears up. But do you think Siakam's best position is as a four? No. I mean, well, yeah, the four I do. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Now yeah. you got three fours. Yeah. I, I think just one way or another, like consolidating it, he may not ever even play a game in Indiana, right? Like. Yep. Kaysen Wallace. 
went number no Kaysen, did he go number nine? He went number ten. Hendricks Hendrix didn't Hendricks play. Though. Number nine, yeah. Um heard he has a, a hamstring issue and so he hasn't played yet. Number ten was Kaysen. That was part of the the lively swap. And I actually saw Kaysen. I was leaving the the arena on my days are mixed up. Is it Monday now? <laughs> so Saturday. I don't even know what day it is. Saturday, and uh, he had just watched his uh, his brothers playing for the Clippers. So he had just watched the Clippers game, and he was just typical case in fashion. Like he's in like the the hallway, and for some reason, like nobody recognized him. Everybody was walking by him, so I saw him talk to him, and I was just like, man, six out of ten from three, yada yada yada. And I said. Uh, did you get a chance to practice? And he said he he did not get a chance to practice yeah. at all. Yeah. So I knew Lively couldn't practice, but um, but he was like he couldn't get on the court with those guys, so he really didn't have a feel yep. for him. So he was just out there just just uh, playing off field, and I thought he looked really really good. Yeah, yeah. For those who don't know, so since he was part of that trade and the way the the legality of the trades work, it screws over the players in this regard, where they're not they're technically not allowed to be in the facilities and practicing with the team that they're not officially with. So that's why. And, it, and it, it really doesn't help any of the players at all in this process. But I've just been so impressed. Like, the shot is very real. We saw – this is a guy who was – he was mostly – he didn't get to play off ball at Kentucky that much. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's the hidden Kentucky element for him. I thought it would be his playmaking would pop even more because now he has stretch bigs. I mean, him and Chet Holmgren's a dynamic duo in the pick and roll, but the spot of shooting has been phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to see what he does the second game. And then pick number 11 was Grady Dick. I think he's only played one game or is it two? The one game I did see, he didn't shoot the ball well. And it's like the fanfare around Grady Dick has been absolutely none since – and, and Toronto has a huge fan base, but I haven't heard, like, people on – I mean, I've been busy, so I really haven't been on social media like that. I have, but you know how. <laughs> I know. But, like, there hasn't – to me, there hasn't been a major reaction to yeah. his performance. Everyone else, I feel like, in his draft range or in the lottery, there's been some type of reaction. Yeah. But to be fair, the Raptors' summer league roster, to put it professionally – there's a lot of room for improvement around him. Yeah, uh, he is normally the highest score with I think he's been the highest or second highest score, and he's added like nine points in one game and eleven in the other. Like also, oh, they played two. Yeah, yeah, okay. just, yeah. They played Cleveland Sunday. Uh, Cleveland's and, undefeated. And both times they've been blown out. I mean, I, I think there's a very real argument that, again, with all due respect, just statistically speaking, it probably adds up. They're the worst team so far in summer league. Charlotte. Oh. God, which which that's actually worse because of the talent they have. They're way more talented, and they've been getting smacked in yeah. two different summer leagues. Yeah, and they've probably had. I mean, they've played the most games, or you know, out of everybody in a sense. Yeah. So, outside of Utah, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just been really quiet on on Grady. All right, let's talk about Derek Lively. So I watched a little bit of the Mavs game today. And uh, somebody tweeted me, was asking, like, are we going to see Lively shoot a three? And I'm like, it would be nice. But it would be nice to see him just get a touch anyway, like as far as just uh, an opportunity. I mean, not necessarily saying a post-touch, but I thought he – I thought he played well in, in today's game, made some key plays. Like It was like a key offensive rebound. What have your thoughts on Lively so far? Yeah, I, I think – 
he has a very clear role with the Mavs yep. one day. I don't know how much is going to happen this year because there are still things where I think he's adjusting to the speed of how quick guys get their shots up. I noticed today, for example, uh, you know, he would have good contests if they were launched half a second earlier. He would just be a little bit late. I think it's, that's something that he gets used to with more reps. Like, it's mm -hmm. not something that's wrong with him. Um, the touch of the rim is pretty rough still. I think that's something we've seen. That was something a problem at Duke, a problem already in summer league. But all that being said, the dude can dunk. He rebounds because he has great hands. Mm -hmm. uh, he grabs everything. Like, once it's in his range, you're not stealing it from him. He has strong hands. He catches everything. And I think that stuff will matter. That's where, you know, the looks he's getting now, as good as the guards actually are at, in Dallas, I, I really do think they have three NBA-caliber guards, McKinley Wright, Mike Miles, and Jaden Hardy. He's going to get even better looks than all of those three combined can give him, and that is by Luka Doncic. Like, Luka's yeah. gravity is going to open up a lot for him. All he has to do is jump, grab the ball, and dunk it. And he's going to do a very good job at that. But right now, that's all he's going to do in the NBA. Yeah, um, I, I definitely think playing with Luca will help him. Crazy thing is the Mavs could not stop dribble penetration today. <laughs> so it was like, and I talked to Nick Angstad from Locked On Mavs, and I was like, this is the second. Well, it's, it's similar to college for Lively where he doesn't have someone that's getting him yeah. – Great looks, and then he and Nick was like, "Well, it's just like the Mavs last season; they just couldn't stop any guards." I mean, it was like they were just getting to the paint and just knocking down floaters over just his outstretched arms, and so um, it's, it's like they were expecting him to clean it up. I, I think Lively's going to look a lot better when he has a an elite playmaker. Yep. And, I mean, outside of OMP, like, there are no defenders right now. Like, he's going to have a little bit more, I think, with this current Mavs, too. Yep. All right. Jet Howard. Did I, did I skip it? I, I think I, thinking about it, Grady and Jet were swapped. But that's okay. okay. That's okay. It's, like we said, it is 2.30 our time. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, and also, same thing, Jalen Suggs. I was completely wrong. He started all but three games his rookie year. So, okay. correcting all that. But he was it's hurt, late. though. But he, yeah, he but didn't he play a lot of games. half the season. Yeah. So, it, it's late. But, yeah, so then Jet Howard, he was 11th. Uh, he... He's actually had some really good plays. The shot looks very clean. and like He's one of those things, you know, in video, you see it, good form. But in real life, like, the form is beautiful. Yeah. And I think he's already willing to play in a more team-heavy role. Mm -hmm. I think the whole – there's a lot. I'd, I'd heard some things both ways about – and then one of them clearly had to be smoke based on what we've seen already about Jed Howard. One was, oh, there's a lot of stuff about how he doesn't want to play around any other system. Like what he's, his dad did for him was set up for him, and teams don't like that. Whereas teams also – the other thing, side I'd heard was, well, teams didn't like it, but also he knows what he has to do to adapt yeah. away from a system that is much more oriented to him and more team-based. And we've already started to see it. Like he's yeah. not a ball stopper and by any means. He knows his role as a shooter. And look – the big thing is Caleb Houston was an experiment last year in the early second round as a shooter, who, by the way, phenomenal summer league so far. Mm -hmm. But if Jet Howard blows him out of the water early in the year, it makes Caleb Houston expandable. There's just a lot of different options. It's a good problem to have. It's a competitive spot now. Yeah, and the stuff about him not playing with other people, I thought that was weird. I mean, he played with Keontae and Jairus Walker yeah. at IMG. Yeah. Jordan Hawkins. What are your thoughts been on Hawkins so far? He he hasn't been efficient. I, I don't know if he's played two games. I can't remember. I, I want to say yes, but I've only seen one. 
And for me, it was, yeah, he wasn't shooting great. I think he was like 5 of 15 or something like that, mm -hmm. uh, 4 of 14, whatever. But he passes well. The passing was something I really liked at UConn, and I think that is something that will be quick to adjust to the NBA. I don't know how quick the defense gets there, but he has tools to get there. Um, but for me, it's just he's a shooter. When the shot's on and he's doing everything else, you got yourself a stud. If his shot's off, you still got somebody who can impact the game, and that's a, that is the bare minimum you want. With, when you draft a sharpshooter, you want them to impact the game when they're not scoring, and he does that. All right, let's talk about guys that weren't selected in the lottery. And well, first, this guy was selected in the lottery, but it was last year. All right, so what have your thoughts been on Chet Holmgren so far? Yeah, I think in the Vegas Summer League game I saw, he looked, I don't know if maybe I was just misremembering what he looked like, but he did look a little bit slower. Uh, that was one thing I noticed is that the explosion off the dribble was just slightly less. I don't know if, again, I need to rewatch to fact check, but... I will say for somebody who I remember him having just an explosive first step, it wasn't there as much. I'm interested to see how that looks in the regular season. But overall, I think he's still dominant. Like, he is, again, every bit is advertised. He changed his form, too. I thought that was kind of interesting. His jump shot used to be more, wow. he brings it back more, yeah. like a buck okay, behind yeah. his head. Now it's all in front. I thought that was just an interesting development, though. But he's been yeah. good. Especially he was, you know, a, a, a pretty good shooter. Do you think the... <laughs> 13 pounds. Because, I mean, if you think about it, like, <laughs> and I, I had this conversation about about Victor. Victor's camp is not in a rush for him to put on weight. They're like, who cares about the expectations? We're not about to have him bulk up. We want him to still move the way he moves. But I also think sometimes our American mindset is hurry up, put on this weight so you, you know, don't get get beat up. And so I wonder with Chet, 13 pounds is, you know, we think that's always a good thing. Oh, yeah, he put on 13 pounds. But if he's if he's not moving the way that he, he moved before, then you don't get the same Chet that, that, that made him such a unique prospect. So do you think the weight – and again, this is just an early, early opinion. But do you think the weight has has had an impact on him? I, that, I think that's a good explanation. I think it's better explanation than the injury because an injury shouldn't. I, I don't think the injury is it. I think it's probably the weight. And something that always comes to mind is like weight and strength are not the same thing. Mm -hmm. Someone that I always think of for this is De'Aaron Fox. When if you watch him even at Kentucky, the dude was rail thin, but. He was strong. Like, he finished through contact. Like, that was thing. That was to me where you couldn't just knock him down. And, yeah, you know, Chet's been bullied a little bit. There's been times we've seen, a, like, slightly with Wambanyama. But at the end of the day, look, if you can push back, that's all you got to do is be able to push back. You don't need to win every single time. It'd be mm -hmm. nice. But at this point, it's like baby steps in that regard. I do think that would be a – It's everybody's different, right? Yeah. But in, in theory, that would be a cool, good development, I think, step in the right direction. All right, let's talk about <clears> – <throat> other non-lottery guys and Keontae George has been absolutely phenomenal he's lost weight I mean he I've had people tell me like I haven't seen him look this good so I actually sat next to his mom today and I was asking like about you know his, his process so she said he did all of this on his own it wasn't like a, a trainer got him to lose weight she was saying he was like 
I can't eat tomatoes because tomatoes have this. So he just did a bunch of just reading about what he can and can't eat. And she had to like change, like, I guess like what she was eating because he would get on her. And she, and I was just like blown away by the fact that he did this on his own. And uh, I don't know he switched he switched agencies like like mid mid summer or whatever, but she was like he was just focused and dedicated on getting in the best shape and it, it's paid off. The shot looks money every time. I mean, there's a couple of times where he's he's taking some heat check shots, but off the catch it looks effortless. And you know what's crazy? You were there. The way he's played in summer league looks like how he shot the ball when we saw him at that random pickup yes. game a couple yep. years ago. Yeah. I mean, honestly, even beyond that, remember, I remember in November, December, I think it was December, both you and I had a podcast and you and Leaf had a podcast where you're talking about where does Keontae George rank? And all three of us said the same thing. At the minimum 14, he's probably top 10 at this moment because he was killer in non-conference. Yeah. And you know what? His con- his he looks like that. And on top of that, though, like, he has his athleticism back. Like, there was a play tonight. Yeah, he got blocked. But he was this close to throwing it down on Fran Hunt, who might be a top – he's definitely a top ten athlete in summer league right now. And Fran Hunt blocked him. But, man, it was this close. Like, if it was any other great athlete in summer league, I think he completely throws it down on him. And I just – I haven't seen this much pop even from him. First step, the explosion, every way – looks very good. It looks exactly like what we saw in non-conference where we said, look, this guy, he, he is a top 10 prospect in this class. And now we're – I'm not going to say that's what he is right now. I'm not going to revise my draft board. Yes, but, in, in my but, definitely. But there's like – I mean, you could say he's better than Brandon Miller so far what he's played. So Exactly. That's not, not even close. Yeah. In summer, he's been better. Yeah. So if you're not a subscriber to NBA Big Board, subscribe to NBABigBoard.com. And there's an interview I did a few – I did it in May, but I posted it probably like six weeks after I did the interview where Keontae talked about losing the weight. He said he's got his pop back, his explosiveness. I asked him about the naysayers, about his athleticism, and he talked about athleticism isn't all about dunking. It's about getting to your spots and elevating on your shot. He talked about working on – uh, paint finishes and everything that he said he worked on, it is showing so far in his summer league. I think he's played five games in eight days. Sounds right. And he still looks good. All right, another guy that I want to talk about. I thought he was the top 20 pick. I don't know what teams were thinking when they passed him up, but Leonard Miller has looked like I thought he would look. Dude, it's it's a whole like the pretending to be shocked moment. Like it's just we all saw this. Like we even though like it's summer week, I get it. Mm-hmm. But dude, he's been killer. He had 20 points tonight. He just he looks exactly like he did on the ignite, and he was very good on the ignite. Yeah. So I don't I don't get it, doing? man. Like you know, the ignite is supposed to it's not supposed to drop your stock. And I had a debate with someone. And, you know, you just you, when you come to Summer League, you can get so much draft chatter and conversations. Someone said, and I, I disagree with the take, but they said that if he came out last year, he would have went higher just because he was no. totally unknown. I mean, he looked no. bad in, in, at the Combine, but 
this person felt like because he was so unknown and they thought he was like a point forward, he could have went higher. I get it because it's that, it's that exact thing. We talked about this so many times, right? It's which is better, showing yourself and willing to expose yourself at times and say, hey, these are my pros and cons, or go into it and say, you know, nothing. Like Mitchell Robinson, 2018, exact same thing. I just, I'm not, I, I don't think that's exactly how it went. I feel like that's a little bit revisionist in a way yeah. because, I mean, he was terrible in the combine. He was coming out of high school. Like if if OTE got a, a just destroyed by the mainstream yeah. like kind of draft audience, Leonard Miller's competition would have gotten obliterated. Yep. And I, I just I can't see an argument for that. I get where they're coming from, mm-hmm. but no, Leonard Miller was very good in the G League and he one thousand percent improved his stock. He turned me from somebody who I was like, he's theoretical. There's no real tangible things here last year to. Hey, this is a guy who actually needs to take in the first round because he's a very useful talent. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't even look like a high motor guy. Like the way he moves, he looks just kind of. It's nonchalant. Very, that's the perfect word. Very nonchalant. But he rebounds. Like it's 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 weird. Like how do you have a nonchalant motor? If yeah. that's the best way to describe Litter Miller. All right, who else has caught your attention that was not drafted in the lottery or even a second round pick? I I've I've liked Mike Miles. Like this is a biased take. I think just from today it really popped. I think we late, saw in that late in sec- the game. Yeah. Yeah, that second game that second half was really impressive. And that's a biased take because I've covered Mike Miles. He, he's the he's one of my guys in this draft. Mm-hmm. But I really liked what he did. I mean, he was going to he was taking guys to the rim really well. And these are guys who I think Philly had a really good roster, mm-hmm. especially on the backcourt, like really one through three. All their guys could guard anybody. And Mike was fearless. Like he was one of the best players in the game in a, in a game full of real NBA players. I was talking to his mom after the game, just, you know, just in the hallways. And and um, I was just talking about his unique story, how he was like this childhood star. Yeah, and I mean, I I remember, I, and I told them, I said the first time I saw his YouTube video when he was like seven or eight, I was in China, and people in China were asking me, "Did I know this kid?" And I'm looking at the video, I'm like, "Wait a minute, that's that's the Frisco Fieldhouse. That's like right by where I live." And that's when I first heard of Mike, and then he just disappeared. He was not talked about for years. He was like this underdog. That I guess you know the joke was, was he gonna grow? And then his senior year of high school, he became, like, a really good player, again, yep. as far as just getting attention. And now he's – it's almost like he's back to having to really prove himself. And I, and yeah. I thought that he, he, he did a, a good job today. Let's talk about my guy, Terquavion Smith. Terquavion's been hooping. The efficiency hasn't necessarily been great. But he is the baddest 165-pound basketball player. (laughs) And, I mean, he's fearless. He's playing under control. He's playing off the ball some. I mean, he is an absolute weapon from three. Off the catch, it's almost like I think it's going in every time. To me, outside of Keontae, Right now, he's the guy that I feel like every time he has the ball in his hands, something exciting or something great is going to happen. It's funny. If you remember at the Combine, 
he shot horribly. Like yep. every single way. The drills in game, awful. It was just there's with all due respect, it was really bad. He was airballing. There, he had a few where he didn't even touch rim and it hit the backboard on the other side. Like it was it was rough. And I I personally put a lot of stock into that. Maybe too much. But you could do that. The first combine, I thought David Roddy was absolutely awful. It's fair. I'm like, oh, he's going to get drafted in the 40s. Yeah. And, Wrong. And, dude, Roddy looked good today, by the way. That dude is uh, – he's a football player and a basketball player – or basketball player and a football player's body. But with Turquavion, I think he's one of those guys that I was talking about where it's like full of NBA players on that roster where it's these, these are good guards. Yeah, Mike, obviously, Turk's not, like, known for his defense. But he, he's, he's, he's averaging, like, three blocks a game. He, exactly. <laughs> he's making plays. Yeah. And even if it's not, like, smothering on ball, he does something positive a yeah. lot right now. And, like, that's the stuff where Turk Wavion was just pulling up. He was hitting – he had a, him and DJ Stewart, who, by the way, DJ Stewart should be in the league. Like, not a – I think at a minimum he should be on a two-way. I have no idea how he floated out of the league last year into the G League, like without any NBA affiliation. But those two dudes today, I mean, they combined for over 40 points. Yeah, like, that was then, it was impressive. But was it Javante Smart? Was he their leading scorer? I you think know? they were playing him at. The, he's been playing like the three and in the and the four. Oh, I think Javante Smart because uh, he was he was killing it on just like. The Mavs so, trap coverage, and he was just making all the floaters. Yeah. But he was wearing, like, a weird number, like number 39 or something yeah. like that. <laughs> so it was Turquavion had 18, Javante had 15, GJ, DJ Stewart had 24, and 24 minutes, too. Uh, okay. The NBA app is tough. I'm not going to lie. I can't scroll to get the efficiency. But, yeah, 50% for DJ. Uh, is there any other player that you want to talk about that has caught your attention that has been surprising? One more. This guy's not in this draft class, actually, so breaking the script a little bit. But Marjan Beauchamp, I really liked what I've seen from him. Oh, I'm I really got impressed. One. Hunter Tyson, a guy that you talked about. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's averaging 18 a game <laughs> through two games. That's wild. Yeah, and I, I saw a little bit of the the it was the Hawks Nuggets game, and I mean, he looks like he's ready to come in and contribute. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's an off-ball player. Like he's a, I was actually talking with an NBA scout tonight, and he said, you know, you look at Hunter Tyson, and he's a prime example. If you are 6'8", and you shoot 39 40% from three, you're getting drafted. Like, yeah. there's, that's it. You, as long as you're not, like, an outlier negative way where, like, you're a seventh-year senior who played at, like, I don't know, like a low-major school, and you shot 45% from three or 40%. Like, you're, there's exceptions. But if you are a – Fourth to fifth year or less player that is six eight plays very real competition and shoots forty percent in college, you're drafted. Like there's a very good track record. Speaking of that shooting and, and size, I didn't get a chance to see the game. I saw the stats and I guess he must have got hot in the second half. But did you see Imani Bates' game? Oh yeah, I was actually I watched that whole game. I I've been critical of Imani. I gotta give him credit. Look, he's an upside swing. I get it. He's not someone Cleveland drafted for their floor. I know that for a fact. But he actually didn't play the same toxic – not toxic. That's the wrong word. The same me first mm -hmm. mentality game that he did in the combine, uh, that he did at Eastern Michigan, somewhat did in Memphis. None of that. None of that was there. He was not – it, it wasn't like he was going out of his way to pass all the time, mm -hmm. but it, was, it wasn't it was uncontrollably bad shots. He wanted to find the best offense 
and then do his thing, which, like, fine, that's how most shooters really are. But yeah. at the end of the day, look, he's a 6'9 shooter who's been performing in summer league in a very similar role to what he'll play in the NBA. It's what you want if you're a Cleveland. Yeah. I think, like, I don't know if it was their second or third game. I know he was inefficient in, in one of the games for sure. And I even think today – he may have got off to a slow start and then kind of heated up. But then if you look at the numbers, yeah. they, they didn't um, indicate that he was efficient. But I wonder, and I mean, it's still early. Teams aren't going to probably admit that they made a mistake. But I wonder, you look at Imani, you look at Terquavion, two guys that were, you know, the concern was they're too skinny and, and their shot selection. They have outplayed some guys that were selected yeah. a lot higher than them. And sometimes, you know, really really confident scores and that are fearless sometimes that is the difference between some of these guys that teams think are, are, are safer yeah I, I completely agree by the way it is uh 12.40, so we're probably a little bit over. Yeah, so that means we've done like a 40-something minute <laughs> yeah. podcast. Well, that wraps up this episode. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow with your statement. It is late. It's almost 3 o'clock Central Time. I can't even keep my eyes open right now, but my flight leaves. I got it. My flight, I think I can, like, <laughs> it boards in like four hours. Godspeed. So. Well, this wraps up this episode. Thank you so much for coming through late. Yes, sir. And we are... <laughs>